Hello and welcome to episode 53-53 of the Auto Week podcast. I'm Rory Carroll and I am joined here in the pod bay by Robin Warner. Hello. And Mike Pryson. Hello. And Jimmy Palazzari. Hi. And Wesley's in here on the ones and twos as they say. No one really says that. Yeah, and there there are there aren't ones or twos. Well, in it's that the, the middle thing, the mixer. He's got that. So, is that a different mixer? Same. It is yeah. same one. Looks nice. You clean it? Yeah, a little bit. Oh. Uh, <laughs> anyway, we are here uh, in in Detroit. It's raining. I uh, showed up a little late this morning to the pod. I've got some sick sick ladies in the house. Everyone is sick and not in the fun skateboarding way they are ill and not in the rapping way they are uh <laughs> they are uh, unhealthy we've got all kinds of dripping and but not uh, enough not in like a like a like a fat way or anything they're uh, just oh the little one's pretty fat oh yeah, yeah. oh i haven't seen her <laughs> yeah oh, all right. so uh, those of us in this small confined studio got this to look forward to no i think yeah. uh <laughs> i think, get a preview of the week i think i'm fine i'm just you know uh <laughs> <laughs> a little worn out, um, and it was tough to tough to get out of the office this morning. Um, so I did miss our conversation with Joe Soward. No, Sayward, Sayward, Soward, Sayward. Joe Sayward. Joe Sayward, our longtime F one correspondent. Um, he uh, calling in from France, uh, spending some time with his uh, granddaughter. I think he said. Yep. Uh, but he uh, has just come back from his five hundredth Formula One race. 545th? Yeah, he thinks it's around 545 consecutive, which is pretty impressive. That is insane to me. Um, but he also tells us of, a, of an Italian buddy he met over there that's been to, what, 800? Over, wow. eight, over eight, 800. Eight, eight, yeah, and I think... Italian. And it, it was it was 545th consecutive. Yeah. He's actually yeah. been to more than that because he went to earlier Grand Prix, but he started going in the late, late 80s and has not stopped. So he's been to most of them. He's been to most of the Formula he's 1 races. He's been to more we, than 50% of all... Grand he could Prix. say, I've been to most of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He can say the majority. I think most is more than half. Most, like, yeah, that's more than half. He's been to most of the Formula One races that have ever happened. Especially if it's more than 540, which you say it is. Like Thumbs 600, up. Like 60%. Thumbs it's, up. It's several world tours. Yeah, and uh, and we just had the 1,000th Formula One race. The 1,000th. Championship, championship race, race. Oh, Jesus it, it gets into it, it's <laughs> it's never simple yeah. there's always so what are we ca- what things. when are we starting 1950 something 1950 May, silverstone yeah. okay. was 1950. number one okay but it does include <laughs> some other things like it includes the first 10 indianapolis 500s not the first 10 indie races because they were but the first points. 10 years of Wait. the championship the indy 500 was part, part of, of the, the championship well yeah there's all so those were included, that was things like the, that yeah but there was also Formula One races between 1946 right. and 1950, but right. those don't count because right. they weren't part of the championship uh, as it is today. So I think this is one of those. Maybe this was a little bit of a made-up celebration. Yeah, they could have picked. A, so like this count backwards from a thousand. Like we want to get to a thousand this year. Where does that put us? I think they missed it about four years ago. Yeah. And said, "Oh damn, now what are we going to do?" Well, let's have it another one in like four years. We'll start from this date. So uh, that uh, <laughs> thousandth. Thousandth Formula One race was uh, good because it was kind of emblematic of Formula One as a whole. Uh, real snoozer out in China, uh, out in a place where nobody 
nobody wants to be. Uh, all all one billion of them. Except for all the <laughs> no, those guys for all the Chinese. They want to be there. No, I'm saying like all the racers. <laughs> they're and pretty all, happy yeah, to be there. <laughs> you know, they're creeping up towards 1.4 billion. Actually, it's a lot of wow. people. Yeah, huh? I have um, a feeling though. A lot of the those with manufacturer backing are probably happy to go to yeah, probably to China. Probably yeah. well, like from a corporate standpoint. Yeah. yeah. Well, and coming out of there, we were hearing more talk about China getting a second race before the U.S. Now, oh, yeah. which is uh, I think that would shock a lot of people that have been hearing about New York and Miami and Vegas and all these other possibilities for the U.S. I like mean, Chinese I people actually can, like Formula One though. Well, I mean, they'll unlike Americans. Not, um, but I mean, if we do a F1 race in Vegas, it'll be packed. I mean, the F1 race in Austin is packed. But yeah. the um, especially but the if they thing, offer good prices on 120 ounce daiquiris in the yeah, form of an Eiffel Tower. And I'm there. I am 100 percent there. <laughs> but also, I mean, China is a incredibly yeah. you know uh, a lot of money growing there. market. You know, for cars, a lot of money there. They got the so, uh, that planned economy over there. Yeah, and if you want to do an F1 race somewhere, it gets yeah the it, government it can just happen. makes yeah. it happen. So. But that's, a, this, that's the whole benefit of the planned economy. You, right, exactly. You, you this can see race, something that's good. You don't have to wait for some asshole to pony up the money. You don't have to you worry do about it. some retiree in Miami yeah. you know, being like, oh, my dogs. So it's this race was <laughs> the third Mercedes, one, two in a row. All the talk was about Ferrari actually having the fastest car, and yet Mercedes has absolutely dominated the 2019 championship so far. Wow. You don't say. I, I do say. <laughs> I just did say. Now, hold on. And now, you're talking about Mercedes-Benz here. That is correct. Now, have they had racing success in the past in Formula One? No, nope. This is the first not time. like the no, last. They're, they're, they're a recent upstart. What was not since like two thousand? No, no, that's a common no. misnomer. Two thousand twelve? No misnomer. Yeah, I misnamed. What is it? Two thousand twelve? What's two thousand? Since they've uh, won everything? No, no, no. Two thousand sixteen. So they Four, they 15, did 14. win. Thank they you. did win championships in the fifties, nineteen fifty five. I was uh, being um, a dickhead. but they um, <laughs> they they started winning championships again in twenty fourteen, yeah. which was the first year of the V six hybrid era. Yeah, I was just joking because they've won every year since then. That was the joke. Yeah, it's, it was hilarious. <laughs> I'm, I'm, uh, okay, so <laughs> there is one thing that was fascinating to me, which was you know it, qualifying was. The teams being one, two, the first, the top 10 positions, it was Mercedes, team, team, then Ferrari, yeah. then Red Bull, then, ooh, I don't know if it was Haas or mm. or Sauber. Haas. But anyway, it was, well, yeah. it, it went down like that. And uh, in the top positions, um, Mercedes finished one, two, but Ferrari finished three, five, and Red Bull Racing was able to sneak in. Max Verstappen got fourth uh, to split the Ferraris and... Uh, that was the most uh, drama of the event was how, yet again, Charles Leclerc was kind of getting pushed aside by Ferrari and ended up, he, he'd raced himself to third place. He had a great start and Vettel had kind of a bad start. And then he, team orders, pushed him down to fourth. And then that screwed up his pit strategy, which allowed Verstappen to get ahead of him and he pushed him down to fifth. I mean, this is, I mean, the Mercedes were much faster than the Ferraris just in terms of pace, but this is also an example of how Ferrari will, um, or are continuing to just kind of screw themselves by not just w being willing to just say, Leclerc is faster, you know, we just need to let him go. Well, that's the irony do is this, you Vettel know? was faster in China, but only marginally, just barely but, so. But with a slipstream and a DRS and all that. Right. And then when they switched spots, it was the other way around. So the, really there wasn't any They were basically difference. on par. So right. all they did is they didn't actually gain anything. They just lost. Right. So 
And if Leclerc, they can stop. And Leclerc got ahead of Vettel because Vettel out-qualified Leclerc. But Leclerc got ahead of Vettel on merit yeah, at the race him. start. Right. The, um, but, you know, it's Ferrari sin- Are they ever to do that? since. What's that? To pass? Uh, on the track, every yeah. Every once in a while. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Every once in a while. Okay. Only on the first turn. You get three You get three a year. And then well, Ferrari you get the series. Then yeah. you get Ferrari better for turn Leclerc lo- loose pretty quick here because they're already 31 and 32 points yeah, behind I mean, Hamilton. Got, and that's a race behind They've already. got a couple problems. I mean, they need they clearly need more downforce um, through the turns to keep up with Mercedes. Um, and they need to get over themselves and stop tripping over their own internal politics. Wow. It's a real bummer. Yeah. But it is a, a bright side to all this is I'm so happy to see Honda with a top team and performing admirably. And so, once they get that car cranked up a little bit and Verstappen in there, yeah. it'll be pretty cool. It, the one the one mildly exciting thing car. was was when Verstappen did his big lunge on Vettel. And I mean once he gets in there it'll be it'll be a lot of fun. Hey, uh do we want to start doing a a pool on how many points Mercedes wins the championship by? <laughs> so like right now we could go, you know what I mean? Like I could say, I, I bet it's more than 30 points. And Robin could be like, oh, I bet it's going to be close. And Mike would be like, I bet uh, they win every race this year from now on. Well, are you talking well, about you're Mercedes forgetting the team or Lewis Hamilton? Yeah, you're also forgetting. Well, right now they're on pace to win by 200 and some points. Right, That's exactly. A lot. The yeah. team, I think the team will win by Probably well, well over well, the team's points. up by yeah. sixty-seven or yeah, sixty or fifty-seven points already. Yeah, the team is now even. The, but the drivers' championship, they're on. That's pace what I'm saying. So what we're going to yeah. bet on is Hamilton's over in, over the field. Yeah, or over the no. Well, not not Hamilton. We'll bet on manufa- manufacturers' championship. Okay. Well, I bet so. Mercedes clears Ferrari by two hundred points. Okay. Does two. Red Bull? Does Red Bull clear Ferrari? All right, we're gonna we're gonna take this off air and uh, set up like an incredibly complicated uh, <laughs> betting scheme for this. Uh, and Betting's legal now. Well, the, yeah, you're also forgetting the that whole a. idea though would be <laughs> at the end, no one knows who won. <laughs> like it, it's impossible to say. Well, actually, but at by the, the end, by the end though, we'll find that a revived hobbyist. Kimi Raikkonen and a Sauber has mm-hmm. won the manufacturer's championship. Uh, yeah. That that would be my and hope. The and championship. at yeah. the yeah. end, we will be celebrating our one thousandth pole. That we've con- conducted and and how much we've appreciated that long run of polls we've done. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. So let's let's talk to uh, to Joe real quick. Very cool to have him on the show. I think um, obviously he adds a ton uh, to the conversation about Formula One. Certainly more than I do. Um, just being a big jerk about it all the time. Um, so we'll we'll cut to Joe real quick and then uh, we will rejoin you uh, after that. In your mind, what was the standout um, uh, part of the 1,000th championship event of Formula One? Well, I think, I mean, first of all, there was a there was a problem in as much as the calendar fell in China, which makes it very difficult to organize anything major because the importation of old cars and getting VIPs to go to China, this kind of stuff is really hard to do. So it was a bit of a damp squib in that respect uh, on the ground. Um, on the racetrack, I think my favorite part of the whole race was when um, Mercedes-Benz uh, stacked 
their two cars at the pit stop, the second pit stop, which was just a work of genius. And it yeah. was it was beautiful to watch. And it was really a message to everyone else, which is basically, don't mess with us. We're Mercedes. We can work miracles. I, I, I saw that the stacking move and I was like, my first thought was, oh, they've picked up the Red Bull racing playbook and they're willing to take a little bit of risk. Yeah, I think so. But I think they did it so absolutely perfectly. Actually, I think Bottas was faster than Lewis. Um, and he came in behind him. Uh, it was just it was just a, a sort of message to everybody else saying, if you're going to beat us, you've got to be better than this. And that's really true because Ferrari have got a very, very good car this year. And they should have they should be winning stuff, but they keep tripping over their shoelaces, well, and if I, you like. I thought that that was really what the, um, in contrast to the Mercedes pit stop, you had Ferrari messing around with their driver orders and trying to get Vettel out in front of Leclerc and back and forth, and they just couldn't figure out what was going on. They are three for three with having some sort of driver order, at least trying driver orders out of the first three Grand Prix. It's, it's really nuts. By the way, Joe, what is a damp squid? A uh, damp squib is an English expression. Sorry, it means that uh, things didn't go off very excitingly. It's like a <laughs> it's like a firework display when it's been raining. I I I love Englishisms. They are my absolute favorite. I the roots of a damp squid. I doubt that it has a Formula One uh, root, but it, it, well, it's it actually, fascinates it's me all the same. Squib, it's squib, not squid. And if you ask me what the difference is, I wouldn't be able to tell you. But it's just an expression that we old-fashioned folks use, you know. <laughs> hey, Joe, did did Formula One blow it by not having the one thousandth race at Silverstone? Not really. They didn't have a choice. You got to. People think you can move the calendar around as much as you like. And one of the things that the folk in Liberty Media are discovering is that everyone's got contracts or reasons that the races are held where they are. And they're kind of stuck, you know, and you can't really take out races so you can move things around. You know, there was some discussion about, well, those Indy 500s weren't really Formula One races. But that's true. They weren't, but they were in the World Championship. And if you take them out, for example, you'd have to take out the 1952 and 1953 seasons because they were run with Formula Two regulations. You know, so there's all kinds of things. Basically, the best thing was to leave it as it was and just do the best you could. Um, and that, okay, China is not the best place to do it, but on the same, uh, by the same token, doing it in China may have got some more interest going over there. I mean, the Chinese are getting excited about Formula One gradually. It's taken a long time. Well, and but, the Chinese um, are uh, starting to ramp up and give Japan some run for its money with fancy hats. I don't know if you <laughs> saw some of the hats running around. But there's also yeah. I, I mean, they also have the world's biggest grandstand there in, in Shanghai. It's really impressive when you go down on the grid and look up at this thing. It's it's by far the biggest grandstand anywhere in Formula One. And people think you know, that there's this myth that, that Chinese people don't go to the Grand Prix. They do. It's just that they haven't opened all the grandstands. They could probably fill more grandstands, but you know, these days, um, you don't really want to go beyond a certain level simply because of shifting people in and out. And, you know, it's not there to make a profit, this race. This is a, a race that's done for the city of Shanghai to be seen around the world. So I think they're doing it um, in the best, in the easiest possible way and not necessarily driving profits. They're, they're probably making plenty of money off it. We're, we're talking with Joe Sayward, uh, Auto Week's uh, European-based Formula One expert uh joe tell us a little bit about your own background i mean how many races have you been to now i know it was an impressive count last time i looked uh it's about to be honest i can't remember the full details but it's about 545 i think but they're all consecutive that's the the, the key point i haven't missed one since uh 1988 but i tell you i was impressed when i was in china there's an italian journalist called giorgio piola 
who has been to 811 of the 1,000. Wow. You might as well and, just you know, step, step aside, Joe. It's not going to happen. Is that, <laughs> is that early 70s then? Uh, he's in. He's seventy years old and started quite young. No, uh, the uh, early seventies Grand Prix was his. First. Oh no, no, no! That's way back into the sixties. Is yeah. it in the sixties yeah. even? Wow, because <laughs> I know, like you know, early fifties. You know, we started off with seven Grands, seven Grand Prix a year, and then it slowly ramped up. So, I I know that the the acclim- acclimation of Grand Prix has been going a lot faster and in the recent past than earlier before. Yeah, I I did the numbers actually not long ago. Um, and uh, judging it by uh, individual decades. And the 1950s, there were 84 races. Uh, and I think the 2010s, when it finishes, will be like 198 races in that decade. So it's basically more than doubled. Um, so nowadays, it's easier, you know, 100 Grand Prix take, takes takes four and a half years nowadays, whereas the old days, 100 Grand Prix was, was nearly a decade itself. Joe, anyway, uh, it's, quite, it's quite a lot of going. It's a lot of traveling, I can tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, you, uh, you did a great piece for Auto Week that's in, in the upcoming issue talking about the 1,000. Um, it's kind of interesting how we started with that count, where number one was. I mean, if you're going to Google right now or look online for the first Formula One race, you might not you know, get that 1950 race from Silverstone, which is what is considered to be the first race. Now, you know, what, what, what do we, how do we count those first, you know, two, three years of Formula One before that? Well, there was no championship. Therefore, it was just like a series of non-championship races, a bit like back in the 1920s and 30s, there were occasional sort of championship kind of things organized, but there wasn't really a world championship. And so 1946, they came up with the idea of a new championship they came up with the rules but they needed the the world at the time was you know, immediate post-war it needed to to calm down a bit recover from the war and in 1950 they felt that the time was right to start a world championship and that's really it ever since 1950 silverstone every single one of those races has been a world championship event there is an argument over one of the races that took place in spain in the 1980s <laughs> when there was a fight going on in the politics of the sport and it took place and was then dropped from the world championship afterwards but if it was dropped it doesn't count so there have actually been i think a thousand and two races because there was another race that was only for uh, some of the teams who turned up, but it wasn't officially a Grand Prix. So you've got these kind of anomalies, but fundamentally it's a thousand Grand Prix, World Championship, Formula One, Grand Prix, also known, by the way, in the French expression as Grand Épreuve, and that's the difference between a Grand Prix and a uh, a Grand Prix, if you like. (laughs) A Grand Épreuve is the status you get if you're in the World Championship. I see. And I think it's it's absolutely fair. You know, the Indianapolis 500 was part of the World Championship, I believe, from 1960, 1950 to 1960. And yep, it, I think it's only fair that it counts. It definitely does skew the drivers that have participated in Formula One and the amount of Americans that have participated in Formula One as a result. But it it's fair play um, at the same time. Considering, considering where we are at in preseason testing, and people's assumptions of where different teams' performance might be, and the fact that we've now had three rounds of Mercedes 1-2s, where do you think this championship is going? I think the championship's really healthy, actually, because I don't think the Mercedes 1-2s represent the reality of the car performance. I think we've got definitely a potential 
for Ferrari to win races. They, they, they should have won in Bahrain by a long way, but they messed up. Um, and I think Red Bull will probably win races as well this year. It's looking, looking as though they're going to be getting very, very strong in some of the, the races where Red, Red Bull traditionally does well, you know, where the aerodynamics come in a little bit above the power. Joe, we've been hearing for a couple of years now that Ferrari has the better cars or Ferrari has cars that should be winning races and being up with uh, Mercedes, but they haven't. Uh, they're not winning you know, a lot of poles. They're not winning races. Who, who's the fall guy? I mean, do they need to clean house with a new driver tandem? Uh, do they need some changes at the top? Uh, what is it, it going to take for Ferrari to clean up its house and, and actually win races and turn some of these great cars into results? Well, I think we, <laughs> we had a fairly major... Uh, uh, change at the top just a few months ago um, with the departure of Maurizio Riva Bene uh, and the arrival of Mattia Binotto. And I think that uh, he's doing a very decent job. I think that uh, he's brought in Leclerc, um, Charles Leclerc, uh, which incidentally is how it's pronounced, not Leclerc. Uh, the Leclerc thing is done for the Anglo sized people who can't hey, manage hey, to do hey, a side hey. don't, don't, don't get personal then. here. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> But, well, that's um, that's the irony. I hear Leclerc from a lot more Brits than I do Americans, to be honest. Yeah, no, I mean, they, 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 Leclerc's management actually sort of said the name is Leclerc just to make it easier, but it's not. <laughs> it's Leclerc. It's a bit like um, uh, Keki Rosberg wasn't called Keki, but it was such a ridiculous Finnish name that no one could pronounce it. So he just became Keki. Um, and so that's the kind of uh, thing we're dealing with. Anyway, he's a, he's a very, very talented young man. He's not... Uh, Sebastian Vettel, well spooked. And I think that um, the Ferrari urge to, I don't know if it's to protect Vettel or not, but maybe it's just to try to keep Vettel on the straight and narrow because he tends to get um, uh, destabilized by being beaten by a teammate. And we've seen him making lots and lots of mistakes under pressure in the last six months. He needs to stop doing that because otherwise Ferrari going to look elsewhere in the fullness of time. But he's still a four-time world champion and very talented guy. But, you know, Leclerc is certainly on his case. I think previously with Kimi Räikkönen, and I'm sorry for the Kimi Räikkönen fans in the room, but Kimi was generally asleep, uh, asleep rather, until it got round to contract time, when he miraculously speeded up and got another contract. <laughs> Happened several times. Um, and you know, I think that that, that Kimi's a bit like that, uh, or has been in in his Formula One career. He sort of dropped out as well for a while to go rallying. Um, didn't really make it in running and came back again. So, I mean, he's, he's got loads of talent, but he does does have this problem of sort of, you know, sort of going to sleep for a period of time. Don't, about, don't forget about his short stint in NASCAR, Joe. Yes, he did have – it was a very short stint, wasn't it? It wasn't really uh, – um, I, I think that was good, actually, in a way, because it, it shows just how hard NASCAR is. You know, we, we had Montoya go over there, and we had a few others who went in there and really didn't make much of an impression. Yeah. Um, which I think is terrific because you know, we should understand, everybody should understand how hard it is to win in the different disciplines. And I think that that is something, um, you know, you, you do tend to see Formula One guys coming out of, of the sport and going into IndyCar and doing pretty well. But I haven't seen any of them doing it in NASCAR yet. So, Joe, I, I know you, you have to run soon, but I would I would love to hear what was this most recent, the thousands championship running event like compared to i'm sorry what did you say that 1000th oh, okay. championship running event uh versus uh the first one you attended in the late 80s uh oh goodness me well the first one i attended was actually 1979 and it's a completely different world to that um there's just so much 
so much more money involved, so much more professionalism. The teams, which in those days were 20 or 30 people, are now up to a thousand and more. Uh, and it's it's incredibly powerful global marketing tool. People tend to you know, denigrate Formula One and say it's not this, it's not that. Very few people say what it is. And what it is, is an absolutely extraordinary marketing tool, which governments really want. And right now, it's really interesting. Um, the number of people who want races has ramped up significantly. And now they're beginning to fight to have races. Um, and fighting to have races means that the price goes up. And the price is, is well above eye-watering already. And when I say that, I'm talking about the highest payers are probably $60 million a year uh, for the race fee. So, Joe, give us some insight. When is the United States going to get its next race and where is it going to be? Well, I think the answer to that is as soon as they can figure out how to do it. And it won't <laughs> involve that kind of money because they'll, they'll be – obviously, it's a strategic decision to want to be in the States. And it's a very logical thing to do. Uh, and I think they'll, they'll work a deal. I think they, they bid off more than they could chew with Miami. It's a really tough one. There's mm -hmm. too many government bodies in the port of Miami. There's too many people saying no. Whereas I think in Vegas, um, there's a lot of people saying yes, because your change in the gambling rules means that uh, Vegas needs people to come visit. So I think Vegas is a better option. And I think once they've done a race in Vegas and some some kind of a, uh, you know, something to make it a bit sparkly, which I think would be having a night race under lights would be sensational as they do in Singapore. And I think the minute they do something like that, half the cities in the States will be falling over each other to get one. Um, I think that's just, you know, it's one of these things that people do. Um, and, you know, Formula One has a very bad record in America. It's self-inflicted self largely. We've chosen the wrong venues. We've done appalling things to the fans like in Indianapolis in 2005. You just can't do that sort of stuff. But now we're a listed company on the NASDAQ. Uh, we have American leadership and they're a bit smarter in the way that they deal with getting the sport established. So I think we'll see Vegas first and sometime after that, I can see New York coming in, but that's me being a little bit controversial. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you know, I, I'm cautiously optimistic that you're right, but I'm nervous that you're wrong. Um, doesn't, I mean, Las Vegas has a history with Formula One though. So that's what makes me nervous about that venue. You know, I don't want, I don't want a Formula One Grand Prix that looks much more like an autocross than a Grand Prix track. Yeah, but, but that, that's exactly the point. Um, the, the, the new management in Formula One recognized what was done wrong. And they're not just going to places because they can go there and get some money, like happened in Phoenix, in Detroit, in Vegas, originally back in the 80s. What they want is to go to a place where they can have a good race. So they want to have races like we have in Baku um, in Vegas. Now, if we had that where, you know, it's really exciting stuff and, and you know, crazy, crazy street racing in the finest traditions, then I think that it would, you know, make a huge impact on the U.S. market, particularly on the two coasts, you know, because they're very, you know, there, there are a lot of cosmopolitan people and it would be one of those sort of cool things you'd be wanting to follow, you know, perhaps not in, in, in the middle, but, um, you know, I think NASCAR's got some room there for maneuver. Um, but I do think that, uh, we have to we have to choose the venues right, which is why it's a good idea not to just go to Miami because we can get in there, but we have to go with the course that we want. All right, Joe, thank you so much for talking with us. It's been a pleasure. Joe, we'll look forward to getting you in here pretty soon and on a regular basis and uh, you know safe travels on the rest of the season. 
Yeah, and I mean, I if you travel the Formula One calendar, you should just fly here as well. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. um, I'm off to Baku in a couple of days, and I'm actually spending the weekend at home with my granddaughter, which is jolly entertaining. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, that's definitely not a wet, a wet squid or whatever. <laughs> All right, good to hear from Joe again. Like I said, we'll uh, we'll have him back on um, to offer some actual insight into Formula One instead of just listen to us complain about it and uh, Robin get mad at me. Um, we will. You were mad. You're kind of mad. You got upset. Uh, not but you. I wasn't mad at anyone. I wasn't mad at anyone. I was just correcting things. You were just feeling attacked. No, I was feeling that it was important to stand up to the truth and stand up and tell the truth. truth. Stand up and tell the truth. Uh, Anyway, we'll have Joe back on um, uh, throughout the Formula One season. (coughs) Excuse me. Um, But we wanted to talk a little bit of Long Beach, uh, where I was... When I was there, which I think was last weekend, uh, it's hard to hard to say. Been a lot of places since then, um, but uh, beautiful day in uh, Southern California out there on the water. Um, got some big boats in that Long Beach. Uh, was that a harbor there or like a dock, a shipyard the or something? port? Port Port of Long Beach, I think it's called. Got some big boats, um, but another beautiful day. Uh, super well attended weekend. I don't think we have official figures yet but um i was there saturday for the imsa race it was packed um got to see some of the practice for uh for indy got to see the uh the qualifying as well (coughs) excuse me on tv uh in a suite which uh was where i was the entire time that i was there um just a, a little odd quirk of scheduling had me in meetings the entire time i did not see a wheel turned in competition the entire time I was in Long Beach. Kind of a disappointment. But uh, still, I was cool to be there, obviously, and the, the environment's awesome. I did get to eat some King Taco. Uh, sponsor the number 88, I think, was that's that's her, right? Yeah. yeah. What, what did you think about King Taco? That's more it's cool. awesome, dude. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's, it's really good, like, um, just cheap, kind of street taco. It's like a chain. You know what I mean? It's not like. Uh, okay, Taco Bell versus King Taco king taco baby yeah yeah and i like taco bell a lot um it's it was very very good so that was kind of the highlight i did drink uh a couple of patron margaritas after my meeting not available at king taco no uh you had to go to a separate thing there and actually the guy screwed up so he gave me a a double uh for free which is pretty good pretty good i went to the uh printed matter book fair there in la feels good to be the king huh roy yeah. Free and doubles, then, uh, King yeah. Taco. Hung out <laughs> with just, uh, Ron Baugh, you know that guy from Forgiato, uh, friend of friend of Auto Week. Um, got dinner with him, so it was a good little visit to, to Los Angeles. I'm gonna have to let you guys fill in the racing stuff. Um, so you well, watch you watch the race on TV. Yeah, willpower based. Uh, willpower. Uh, Alexander Rossi basically We're just gonna put skip on the, a skip the answer race. Then let's go straight to the IndyCar race. Uh, there was an IMSA race, and uh, if you want to start there. Well, I mean, the IMSA race was, uh, I mean, Cadillac and Porsche dominated that thing. So I've heard that story before, actually. Yeah, we've uh, been here. And we're still, think... waiting, we're still waiting for Mazda. That, they're, they're running out of excuses. They're, they're, they're not doing one-on-one races or their short races right now. And, Is uh, dominating the right word, though? I mean, Penske well, Acura was 2-3, you're and right. Castro Neves did put the car on pole. But the, the Cadillacs no, it, have won every race out. 
But you're right. Acura, the okay, Acuras like were tough. So let me ask. Let me but. let me ask this. Why didn't Acura win? It was pitch strategy, uh, largely. I the think other was, card uh, was at the end of the race. Oh, oh, it wasn't Brent. <laughs> yeah, that Cadillac oh. was ahead of it. So the oh. necessarily. Yeah. <laughs> so right. But if you pitch strategy, <laughs> the way it worked out, yeah. uh, Cadillac. Uh, Cadillac had a strategy where they basically, I think it was they were letting their tires run to the cords, and uh, Acura thought that they'd be able to get around the Cadillac, but the Cadillac was quite good at not getting past the car. Got very yeah. wide, as they say. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's a little tight out there too. So it could have been. It was an exciting end yeah. to the race, though. No, no, it was an exciting race, and and the the Penske cars were great. Um, just uh, another another victory for those Cadillacs. Cadillacs are so good, man. I got that that big ass motor, I, just not even working at all. I mean, I've I've been contending this, and I would I've I've talked with Acura and Mazda about this. They Acura, want, they would love it, it if Cadillac had a smaller motor. Acura fights it a little bit, but Mazda, kind of, yeah. Well, I mean, it, certain people at Mazda, uh-huh. I should, but the who are we talking about? What what we're talking about is you have a Cadillac six point two liter V eight. Yep. And you have what Mazda has. The other extreme is a two-liter inline four. Mm-hmm. You are power limited by the balance of performance to more or less a standardized horsepower. Yeah. For 6.2 liters to create that horsepower puts a lot less stress I'm saying. on the engine just loafing than around. two liters. It's running like 2,500 RPM out there. So all of a sudden, fuel economy is great. Yep. So you have flexibility there. Just so you the stress on the motors way yep. lower and... You know, when you before you get to peak power, because ultimately what they're controlling is peak power. Yeah, you can get to peak power however you want. They it's can't that, really control that. It, Cadillac has see. a lot more flexibility there. Well, you see on the on the long road courses like uh, Daytona, coming out of the turns and onto the straights, there's both cars are making the same power, but the Cadillac has so much more torque available down low. They just run away, and that's, you know, I I, I wish they all had V8s. Why why doesn't Mazda? build a, a V8 uh, Miata, this would not be a problem. They could run that motor. Alas, yeah. You know, to be relevant have, in sports car racing, you, you need have a to big be, monster 6.2 liter. Yeah. You Don't need hate. A, what do they say? Don't hate. Get a what? V8. <laughs> Small block time. Uh, but yeah, good good IMSA race. Uh, Porsche is having a, a hell of a run here. Um, those little upstarts from... Stuttgart starting to figure this racing thing out. Um, well, that was their mid-engined, rear-engined. Wow. There was some great racing too with the Porsche and yeah. the Corvettes. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know that looked great. So, cool. Boy, that uh, that next Corvette is going to shake things up in that series. I'll tell you what. Um, well, that Corvette, God, I mean, it's coming up on what five, six years of racing. That's an it's, old race car. I think it's seven. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, they haven't changed that. It's 2013. I want to say. Yeah. It's yeah. Whatever the number is, been a while. Yeah, um, that next one's going to be good, though, from what they say. Um, well, that certainly has That's what they're, they're going to tell you. They're not going to say, ah, this is going to be Yeah, that's true. But on uh, the other hand, we saw what happened when uh, Chevy changed their formula in, in Cup. It went yeah, south for a couple of years. This is going to be a different deal, I think. You think they're going to come out of the blocks? And yeah, I think. Because they're going to be on this. Like right now, they're on the, the opposite side of the cycle where they're racing the oldest car. Mm-hmm. Next year, all the other cars will be old, and their car will be new. Right. I think you can look. It's going to be much closer to what Ford GT yeah. did than what uh, NASCAR now, why, Chevrolet did in NASCAR. Now, why is that, Robin? The Ford GT? No, why would it be similar? Because um, the engine location is also going to be similar. 
in the, the middle, Corvette. In the middle of the car. In the middle of the car. Yeah. Behind the passenger. Now, can we confirm that? Is that confirmed? I believe it is confirmed. It is absolutely confirmed. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think everyone's talking about it. We've all seen the pictures. I drove the car. Uh, coming out 7 19, no, 7 18 19, I think. Something like that. And next month. Uh, we'll be seeing that thing with the wraps off of it. Finally. Anyway, uh, so the IndyCar race had kind of an F1 race. It was uh, really just uh, held held uh, the qualifying yep. order, and uh, Alexander Rossi won for the second time in Long Beach. That seems to be his in a row consecutively. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, seems to be his spot. It seems to be a good. Uh, maybe it's the taco thing there. Although I was disappointed. I you know heard I had that King Taco livery. Right. I would have liked to have seen some more special. Well, and there was this thing about how Colton Hurtahat and his dad, Brian, they yeah. would go to King Taco um, if he won a kart race or something like oh, that. Oh, really? And so That's apparently story. The, the story is that um, the King Taco people liked the personal story that Colton and Brian had so uh-huh. much. They said that if Colton won the Long Reach Grand Prix, Every ticket holder in Long Beach would get a free taco. Oh man! They should have just they should have just uh, fixed it. For, you know, had him win. <laughs> Fans would have loved that. He'd get double the attendance next year. Well, maybe, maybe this is only my speculation. Yeah. Maybe uh, the CFO of King Taco ran some numbers and maybe they fixed it the other way. Oh yeah, like oh. Th- maybe this would put us out. Right. Not- maybe maybe Colton was on his way to dominate in his rookie season and they had to put the kibosh on that. We should look into that. Yeah. We should do a, a multi-part investigation. Hire some people. <laughs> I think it should start with eating some King Taco. So we, you know, Dude, those like I'm saying, those tacos are really good. Um, th- like I said, they're not like gourmet. They're not like uh, you know, little old lady on the side of the street. What would a those, gourmet like, taco even be? Oh, it's like it got all kinds of like chorizo and bacon and stuff in it. Um, mm-hmm. Like you know, fine ingredients or whatever. It sounds more like a meat lover's taco. <laughs> fine, fine ingredients like yeah. bacon. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like uh, fancy stuff. <laughs> but these are cheap tacos and they're very very good. And uh, I wish I could eat one right now at ten in the morning. On a cold, rainy Detroit day. Actually, I had tacos yesterday too. Um, while we're on the subject, but Pretty I mean, decent. to be, I mean, I think Rossi's performance at Long Beach was impressive. It, yeah, he put on an absolute clinic. Yeah, he ended up, I think, over twenty seconds ahead. Yeah, of second place finisher, which was it was uh, like an F one race. It was Newgarden, I think. Will Power finished second. Yep. Okay, and then um, there was some controversy uh, that. Uh, 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 Scott Dixon officially finished uh, third in the race and was on the podium, but he actually crossed the line fourth behind Graham Rahal. And there was controversy about whether Graham was, you know, doing legal or illegal blocks. And oh the, the the rules committee or whatever said, you know, Graham, you're being docked a point. You couldn't block the way you did. But if you look at the footage... Graham was actually doing a really good job of blocking legally and it was aggressive, but it was within the bounds as everyone understood them to be. So Graham Rahal kind of got hosed in this race, kind of got a podium yeah, taken I mean, from it, it him. It wasn't like a, a crazy swerve or anything. He just kind of made the car a little wider, made the car go to the right a little yeah. more, right. you know, but, and then and he, he set did up so, for the next turn. He did so ahead of Dixon's move to the right. And that's the critical point. People, I think the ones that, 
think the other way, thought that Dixon made the move first and that Graham he, reacted. He but Graham, yeah. but Graham absolutely made the move first. And I need to make a fact check. It was it was Newgarden that was second. I got the wrong Penske. Ah, but geez. it was still. But it was a twenty second gap, and uh, it was a Rossi uh, runaway there in that respect. So, but I've got to say, this is kind of an example of I think on the last podcast where I was talking about when you you uh, judge a race purely on finishing places that you end up kind of pigeonholing yourself because the last <clears throat> the last race of Barber was one from pole too. Yeah. Right. But I you think know. everybody would say that among IndyCar races these two have not been good. I I don't know. I mean, I thought I thought the Barber race was I mean, they're fine. Ooh. It's racing. It's not it's not but bad. But it wasn't but they also, weren't standout I mean, great races, yeah. no, but I thought yeah. they were fine. But it's more the the watching the race and like the battles within the race are what makes yeah, it yeah. exciting, but not I necessarily think the, the finish. And there was definitely the, the there point. was definitely a lot of moving around. The cars were sliding across with concrete barriers right there. Yeah, in yeah. fact, yeah, a yeah, lot it's of a great scene. It's exciting. It's, it's <laughs> racing. It's the racing's gonna yeah. be good, but I, I think like I said when the preponderance of races are won on qualifying day, that's boring. Like, yeah, we don't want twenty second gaps between. The yeah, the first Indi- and second. IndyCar was how much is IndyCar probably was not happy with that result. No, they don't. IndyCar doesn't pride itself in the battle for seventh, um, things like that. The drivers probably. You know. Yeah, I, mean, I, I think you know Jimmy and I are are of the same mindset here, and you and Roy are kind of of the same mindset. And there's there's absolute satisfaction for me as a racing fan to see them pushing the cars as hard as they are and having visibly seen so much movement in the car and there was a lot of passing going on in the mid pack and a lot of battling there was pit stop strategy changes that were affecting results and things like that and the fact that rossi was as good as he was was impressive to watch visibly seeing how well he could get that car to go around such a tight course maybe they could just do it individually on the track and we could just watch how cool the cars are yes you know you could do it that way and you could have more cameras on on the suspension and like uh you know what i mean like you could really just focus on the one car and how cool that car is if only rye smiles made a sound that people could hear on the podcast (laughs) so because if the competition part of it's not important just watching the cars. It is competition is is not important important. it's that there's a balance between those two things you know it's and it isn't just one aspect of it which is the the door banging and all that kind of stuff and you know pushing for passes and all that kind of thing and there was a lot of competition it just wasn't for you the could lead. also the other thing too is you could take the driver out and do like a robo race thing that'd be cool to watch rise smile really sound rise but, but smile that again sound. you know in, in all seriousness are, though like that, 300 miles an hour in all seriousness though that takes away not just the cars passing each other but that's it's the watching someone do something cool you know, which I think is also a major factor in why people watch racing, not only now, but also in the past. Like in the past, whether it's NASCAR or IndyCar or CART or Formula One or whatever, you know, you've always had cars dominating. You've always had drivers way out in front winning by laps. You've always had all of that. But the, ultimately, the thing people come back for, though, is to watch someone do something but you know, ultimately really cool. We, ultimately, we celebrate winners. Yeah. yeah this is exactly. I mean, that, that's at the end of the day. And, uh, and they, they do. And they do. And they do. Yeah, it's right. either a sport or an exhibition. Um, but anyway, uh, good weekend in, in Long Beach. Um, man, if you can get out to that one, if you haven't been to that, um, you really should go because the energy there is it's phenomenal. And the, um, the crowd is awesome. The food's good. Uh, and typically the weather's okay. But it's, it's a great place to watch. They did a really good job of um, – uh, 
kind of listing all the great places to watch. So it's like if you want to watch passes, if you want to watch guys in the straight, um, here's an area where you can get up high and see it. And that's like all right there in the fan guide. It's super accessible and um, kind of like a model for like what, are, what a street race can be. Um, it was really, really good. Plus, Ashley Powell was there uh, for Haggerty down, down in the... Uh, Blind Deer Rally Sports, number one intern. Yeah. She, yeah. Uh, she had to sit in the basement of a convention center during the whole race weekend. Oh. It was very... Uh, well, I wish, quick, she, but I wish anyway. she would come back on the rally circuit. That's right. Before, <laughs> that's the, before that's we is. get off any car, <laughs> I want to hear your opinion on this, Roy. Mike, yours too. Honda is looking to be pretty clearly the superior engine between yeah. Honda and Chevrolet this year. Yeah. How do you guys feel about that? I mean, that's part of why the competition isn't quite as close as it would be otherwise. Yeah, I mean, it, that kind of goes in cycles. So there have been years where the Chevys were kind of untouchable and, and the Hondas are are more, um, or, you know, a little bit slower. But I think what's cool about IndyCar, obviously, is the even even when one when there's a clear advantage between uh, one, one engine supplier and the other, the racing is still, it's not a, it's not a uh, foregone conclusion, right? So it's not... Even even as cl- as as good as Honda has it right now, you would not be surprised to, sh- to see a Chevy go one two or one two three. You and this thing mean? could turn upside down at Indianapolis. Yeah, I mean we'll we'll find out a lot more at the end of May. We'll talk about that and uh, when they turn it loose at the at the at the Brickyard. Well, what about mid May for the uh, IndyCar Grand Prix, which is on the road course yeah. of the IMS? Yeah, that'll be interesting. We'll see. It's uh like I said, there's that. There's still so much parity there. I would love to see another manufacturer in there. We should see if we can knock together some motors. How much would that cost, Wesley? I don't know. IndyCar's been talking about that yeah. another manufacturer Kia? for a couple years now. And got it's Hyundai? almost like they got to they announce something here. here here's Lotus? my, here's the my Lotus prediction motors? and hope. IndyCar is getting an engine bump in 2021. Yeah. They're going to be closer. They're going to be better than 900 horsepower yeah, instead of more than awesome. 750, yep. which is absolutely the right thing. Yep. I'm thinking slash hoping that third, maybe possibly even a fourth manufacturer will get involved then. Who? In twenty one. Who are we talking about? I don't know who, but I just hope. Do you think Lamborghini? Would, Do you think Lamborghini oh, can get a that'd be cool. V ten in there? Yeah, no, I'm probably not. <laughs> Do you no. think it's within our means as a podcast to become an engine supplier? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. How much could it be? A couple grand? Fifty bucks. Yeah, I'd put I'd put fifty bucks in today. I'd have to ask for money. Uh from the joint checking account for that, but I, I could probably get it. Um, well, you put in 50 bucks and then go and talk to like, you know, Toyota or something. Yeah. And say, hey, well, I've put 50 bucks in. Yeah. yeah. You've, you've got friends at Roush, right? Jack Roush. Yeah. Yeah. yeah sure. So, uh, there you go. All right. So that will uh, conclude the motorsports portion of this, uh, this very podcast today. Uh, we're going to move on and talk about some other stuff that's uh, in the notes. We're weekly now. We're weekly, yeah. So wait, we gotta wait till next week. Hold now. on, this is this is the show. This is the whole show. This is the whole show. Yeah. Jeez, wow. So yeah, this is the whole show. Uh, <laughs> Until next time. And that was it. That's all you got. So, uh, aren't you glad you didn't pay for it? Uh, if you, if you want more, <laughs> listen next week. Yeah, listen to the next podcast, which is in a week and not right now. Uh, so anyway, uh, thank you again for joining us on this rambling, uh, incoherent motorsports podcast. Uh, we will see you in a week. In the meantime, if you can get on the uh, computer, the confuser, and give us the ratings, do the subscriber, Rooney. Uh, like I said, if you 
Get on your grandparents' computers. Get on your kids' computers. Download your, your great great grandparents' computers. Yeah, your neighbors. Whoever leaves their doors unlocked in your neighborhood, get in there. Get on their the internet. Podcast. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Also, send us letters. Yeah. We love reviewing. Yeah, that's or right. Responding to listeners. Yeah, you guys have questions. Uh, you guys have complaints. We what, will read what, them on there. What kind of door to get for your house? That's what kind where you of come in. Yeah. yeah, that's where you come in. Email me at wwren yep. at autoweek.com. That's W-W-R-E-N yep. at autoweek.com with your questions and concerns. Uh, doesn't have to be racing or car related. Uh, uh, we do relationship advice. Yeah. We do home hey. homeowner advice. Call in. Tacos. Financial advice. You have Taco relationship advice. problems? Well, you guys can both call in. We'll solve them. We'll take care of it. W is for winning, right? Yeah. So if you want to win at life. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, that's us for uh, episode 53. three, yeah. We will uh, talk to you soon, and we'll uh, you'll be hearing our beautiful voices again on episode 54 next week.